Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hey, welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Nick Franklin. Obviously, I am not John Bates. I get to be the guest host today, and I am so honored to interview our guest today. Um, you know, here at Freedom Fellowship, where John pastors and I'm on staff, uh, Russell is a friend of the house, comes all the time, and, you know, I feel like probably a few times of the, of the year, we'll have Russell and his team out, um, and we partner with them in a lot of events and ministry and different things like that, and we've wanted Russell on the show for a long time now. But as you'll find out, Russell is an evangelist. He leads all kinds of different ministries. And so getting the schedules together was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work, um, but we are here now. So this is Russell Wood. Um, Russell, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everyone what you do, what you're about, and um, yeah, like who is Russell Wood? <laughs> uh, Russell Wood is a son of the living God. Come on. I am a husband of a, uh, of a wife for 25 years. Awesome. I have five beautiful children, wow. three grandbabies, and I'm a messenger of the gospel. Hey, let's go. That's awesome. You know, before the interview, I was telling Russell, um, I come from a household of five children, and my parents ended up adopting four. And um, having a big family is a lot of fun. I have two babies right now. And I just thought to myself, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how close your kids are. My family, they had five kids five years old and younger. We were all like, boom, boom, back to wow. back, less than 15 months apiece uh, in between each of us. And it's just so interesting because it's like, I've got two now, 12 months apart, and I'm like ready to be done. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I, I will come to terms with having more children in a few years. But as of right now, I'm just like, I told my mom and dad, I was like, I don't know how y'all did this. <laughs> like, this is up. So kudos to you and your wife for, for the five children. That's just amazing. And you're almost an empty nester now. Youngest is in high school. Youngest is in high school. Awesome. He's about to be 18. He's, you know, plays football, yeah. active in a youth group. So he's hardly ever home. Yeah. So it's real quiet around the house right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, how are you and your wife? I mean, this is just kind of a fun personal question. How are you guys handling the quietness? Like, I know that that was, I mean, even for me as one of the kids, it was an adjustment going from home where it's, you know, a lot of fun all the time to even just going to college and having one roommate, you yeah. know, and having our own schedules and kind of getting that independence. It was like, whoa, this is different. You know, like, yeah. how are you guys kind of adjusting to that? You know, I'll be honest with you. At first, at first, it was kind of a downer, man. Yeah. And, you know, you're looking around like, where is everyone? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm used to coming home off the road. And as soon uh -huh. as I get in the house, be greeted by all these hugs. Right. Yeah, yeah of course. But but now uh, that void is being filled with grandbabies. Oh, there you go. So they're dropping those go. grandbabies oh, off yeah. and then taking off. And that, oh, that yeah. that's a done deal. So I've heard personally that being a grandparent, there is another level of joy yeah. apart from being just a parent. Have you kind of experienced that as well? Already. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think that's probably the greatest thing as a son with babies. Like me and my wife are the first in our family to have kids. And it is just awesome just to be like, thank you. <laughs> that's away. it. And it's, you know, that like my parents or my wife's parents are taking so much joy in that time with them. And they're like, please, please, please. And it's like, really? Like, 
okay, here you go. And, and it's also giving you and your wife a yeah. break to go and be able to, to date and do all of those things. Yeah. So we want to be able to be there for our kids That's to do awesome. the same thing. That's awesome. So, okay, so Russell, you are an evangelist. Yes, sir. Um, tell us a little bit about how, how did you get into, and when I say evangelist, I'm not just saying you know, that's a part of who you are. This is your job. This is your livelihood. Like, how did that kind of start for you? Because I was even thinking recently, um, I have a lot of friends. I'm only 26, 27 years old, about to be 27. I have a lot of friends my exact same age, and we've all been in ministry now for a few years coming out of college. Um, And it's really interesting because when you start to sit down with people Mm -hmm. and hear their why, it's almost like different people have had different roads into full-time ministry. And I'm always interested to hear like how people got there because it's it's just sometimes really interesting to hear how God led them to that. Yeah. Um, but also why they initially got there sometimes is the same why for them today and why they continue to go like, oh, like I'm continuing to do this because of what happened. X, Y, and Z. So kind of what's, what's your story? Like, how did you get into being full-time evangelist? Actually, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting story. I was a pastor for seven years. Oh, wow. Uh, I was a pastor of a, um, let's just say a cessationist church. Okay. <laughs> uh, and didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. And I had a radical encounter with Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. And after I had this encounter, mm-hmm. I remember the day I was in my room and I, I threw my I threw my Bible down on my bed. My wife was a teacher at the time, so she was at the school. The kids were all gone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, either this stuff is real <laughs> or it's not. And I threw my Bible down, and all of a sudden, what happened to me, I can only describe as like a warm pitcher of water being poured down the back of my neck. Wow. And I began to pray in another language. And I looked at the scripture where it opened up at, and it uh-huh. opened up to Jeremiah 3. And it literally said, how could I ever love you with everything that you've done and the idols that you've mm-hmm. had? Basically, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But but who would ever take you back? And then the Lord says, I will. <laughs> and that minute I started weeping yeah. and crying and crying and weeping. And my wife come mm-hmm. home from work and she walks in and she goes, are you OK? And I go, no, I'm not OK at all. <laughs> and I'm just praying in the, in, in the Holy Spirit yeah. and just and, and I just kept going. She goes, I need to run to the grocery store. Oh, my gosh. So we get in the car. We're going to the grocery store and I'm driving down the road and I slam on my brakes in the middle of the road, throw the car in park and jump out because there's a homeless guy over here on the side. And I run yeah. over to him. And when, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there is a boldness, but there's yeah. also an urgency. Oh, yeah. And so I ran up to this guy and I began to, to give him the gospel, yeah. just the simple gospel. Yeah. And he gets born again right there, on, gives me a hug, <laughs> starts weeping. We get back in the car. I turn and I look at my wife and she's staring at me like, what, what is, is going on? <laughs> and y'all are pastors. And we're, we're pastors. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so it was probably after that, we, we went into our church and basically for the next six months, I preached on... The, the person, wow. the, the work, mm-hmm. the fruit, mm. the power, wow. and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Come on. And then me and my wife, of course, during that time, my wife gets filled with the Holy Spirit or mm. baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so at that moment, when the Holy Spirit came over us, 
what when we looked at people, we yeah. didn't look through them through eyes of flesh, but yeah. we looked at them through the blood of Jesus. Wow. And now all of a sudden, our hearts, when I went to bed at night, mm -hmm. all I thought about was souls. Yeah. When I woke up the next morning, all I thought about was souls yeah. and souls being saved. And, you know, Scripture tells us that hell mm -hmm. is enlarged every day. Wow. So one of my mentors in the faith, a man by the name of Reinhard Bonnke, used to say oh. that he, if he had his choice of where he could set his office up, mm -hmm. he would set it up at the gates of hell. <laughs> that way he could plunder <laughs> hell to populate heaven. That's so good. So th th that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> that is awesome. I feel like every person has, like every full-time evangelist I've ever met has some sort of pullback to Ryan Hart Bonke. Yeah. <laughs> My brother, um, you know, he, he, he was a freshman in high school when he started a Jesus club and he's an evangelist at heart. And, you know, he recognized the need for the gospel and for the saving power of Jesus at our high school. Yeah. And so I was in middle school, didn't really know what was going on. So he starts this, this club and was totally inspired by the spirit and I mean, I've always looked up to him. He's actually at uh, CFAN now on staff with where Brian Hartbonke, that's Brian Hartbonke's nice. ministry that he started. And it's really interesting because he started by watching Brian Hartbonke videos of the millions. And I remember actually the first time I saw one of those videos of Brian Hartbonke and his team preaching to literally millions of people yeah. in these nations all across the world. And we, this is the crazy thing. We might have people watching right now that were at one of those crusades and simply seeing that video for the first time, I'll never forget, I was 14. It inspired me and I'm crying and crying and I'm still growing in my faith, but I'm just crying like, oh my gosh, like, like my faith, like if they can do that, yeah. I can reach my friends. And uh, yes. my brother, he was really the first one that saw that. So he started this club in high school and we saw a lot of kids get saved. And my freshman year was his senior year. And he told me, he said, Nick, I need someone to do this when I'm gone. Will you do this? I'll train you my senior year, your freshman year, and then you'll take it for the next, you know, three or four years, whatever. And I was like, yeah, like, I'd, I'd love to. Um, and it was interesting because it all started by some of those Reinhard Bonnke videos. Yeah. Simply being inspired by the amazing, amazing work. And it wasn't just in front of crowds. It was also one-on-one -on -one and yeah. with people. Um, and so I'm just, I'm always so inspired by evangelists. I love what you guys do. And I kind of think about it like if the church were a car, we could build the most beautiful, most amazing car. But if we don't have gas in it, it's not going to go anywhere, do anything. It's going to collect right. us, die. And we're, what are we doing? And it's kind of like, to me, I've always kind of viewed evangelism as the gasoline, we need new believers to come into the body That's right. to be discipled, to be raised up. But how are we going to get them? We need people to share their faith. So um, one thing I think I've noticed is in our fellowship, the you know the organization this church is a part of, the greater organization. And back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the amount of people who would call themselves full-time evangelists, itinerant, um, you know, traveling evangelists was in the thousands. Yeah. And now I want to say the last number I heard was it's right under 200. And here in 20, 2020, 2023, um, why do you think that is that people are, have moved away from evangelism, at least as a full-time ministry position? Um, and that, I feel like that number is dwindling. Um, do you feel like that represents evangelism as a whole in the church? Like where, where do you kind of see all that? 
Well, that's a very good question. Um, to, to be very to be very honest, um, being an evangelist is kind of hard sometimes. Yeah. You know, when I was a pastor of a church, I had I had a parsonage that we lived in. I had a set salary every month. Yeah. I was, you know, the sometimes the most radical people I would be around was the deacon board. I mean, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. you know, the mission field was Walmart, yeah. you know, or the neighborhoods wow. around, which are both very good mission fields. Yeah. But to be a full-time evangelist, you're totally relying and totally dependent upon God to supply all of your needs. Just yeah. like just like that in, in any one of the fivefold. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even even to be honest with you, even that of a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it, but it's a hard thing sometimes because you're actually bridging the gap. I, I look at it like this. I don't know if you remember the story in Scripture, but uh, the Lord had just had it with the children of Israel. Mm. How many times has that yeah, happened? Of course, right? yeah. And so all of a sudden, he, he released a plague. It's, uh. I think it was around number 16. Mm. And, and Moses stands up and turns to Aaron and says, run to the altar and get fire from the altar. <laughs> So he runs in, he gets fire from the altar, and it comes out. It says something very specific there. It says, and he stood between the living and the dead with fire from the altar. Many times I believe that that's the job of the evangelist wow. is to stand between those who are alive in Christ yeah. and dead in sin yeah. with fire from the altar mm. and, and, and deliver this gospel message. So good. But, um, yeah, so it can be... It can be challenging sometimes, yeah. but oh man, the rewards and the benefit <laughs> yeah. package at the end. Oh yeah. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. Yeah. And so we just have to stand on what scripture yeah. says. That is amazing. You know, I think it's interesting too. I love what you said there. You kind of stay in the gap between the church and the, um, you know, people who, who don't know the Lord, people who are maybe seeking some sort of spiritual significance or whatever it might be. And it's interesting because I, I, I know and believe that evangelists play such a pivotal role not just for people who are lost, but also for people who are saved. That's right. Um, I can't tell you how many times, uh, even when I was a student, and you know, I just thought this is what you're supposed to do. We're yeah. Christians, you know. That like my school is my mission field. You know, I was kind of trained like that from my brother, and so I just thought this is what we're all supposed to do. Yeah. And it was interesting because we'd go to these events and like I would get in the same room with this people with the same mindset. And then the leaders in those events would share our stories to the greater audience. And we would have the opportunity to pray with kids who are our same age that weren't doing this. Yeah. And it was always so interesting to me because for whatever reason, that moment, encountering someone who has a call on their life to reach and to uh, get unbelievers, the people who are lost into the kingdom yeah. and find those children of God. It was crazy that you would have that moment and that encounter with that person and something would be birthed inside your heart that would say, oh my gosh, like I need to do something. I might not stand up on my lunch table and preach the gospel like that person, but maybe God is calling me to reach the friend in math class that I talk about God all the time with. That's or right. maybe he's asking me to carry my Bible and read and show people who he really is yeah. right from his word, not what they've heard. Um, and so it's interesting because I think that evangelists, evangelists play such a pivotal role for the church to inspire the church, to yeah. wake the church up and say, here's the fire. You need the fire too, yeah. um, because there is a lost and dying world that desperately, desperately needs us. Um, so I think 
you know, to as we kind of come closer to the end here, what would you say to the church right now? Like, let's say there are people watching yeah. um, that are believers, and maybe they're here in America where we have the freedom of speech and religion, and we can share our faith freely. But also, there might be people watching. There are people watching right now that are in closed countries where they're not allowed to share their faith. They have to kind of do it in private. What would you say to the greater church as a whole, saying? hey, this is the importance, this is why we do what we do, or this is why we need to reach the, the lost and the unsaved. You know, for the, for the longest time now, I have believed, the more I've studied, you know, I devoted my, my life to really just studying the cross. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love all facets of the gospel, but the cross to me was so captivating and fascinating. And I, I, I just, I, I'm to a point where I believe with all of my heart we could study it our whole lives and barely begin to understand yeah. what that looks like. The truth is, we don't know what love really looks like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and he lays out on the cross what love really looks like. And yeah. we're sitting there going, oh my goodness, he really died. Yeah. So as the church, a lot of times we've limited the gospel to just being a door that we walk into mm. rather than being the house that we stand in. Yeah. You know, if we if we if we pursue biblical marriage, it's mm -hmm. out of the gospel. Yeah. If we pursue being a good father and being a good mother, it's mm -hmm. out of the gospel. If yeah. we, whatever we do is, is from Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. So what I would say to, to those that are out there is much like Paul said to Timothy. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, there was a time where, you know, Paul spoke very delicately to Timothy all throughout first Timothy, second Timothy, and even into the pastoral epistle of, of Titus. Mm -hmm. But one thing that he said is, I beseech you, therefore, wow. by the mercies of God. In other words, I beg you, yeah. be ready yeah. all time to yeah. give an account. I'm paraphrasing again, mm -hmm. but, but always be ready. So if you are a, a church goer, a church member, you're an evangelist. Paul says to Timothy, you're to do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. So everybody is to do the work of an evangelist. Everybody is to, is to preach the gospel. And you know what the gospel is in a nutshell? Mm -hmm. In a nutshell, it's a bunch of sons and daughters running around telling everyone how good their dad is <laughs> yeah. and what he did for them. <laughs> That's great. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If you're in a place right now where maybe you can't openly share the gospel, I beseech you to share it, even if, if it's privately, yeah. if it's in the shadows, mm -hmm. wherever it is. Because if you really, really, really want to see this gospel go forward, you know it becomes like a fire burning in your bones and you can't stop. Yeah. You can't. I think it was the apostles in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Mm -hmm. They literally said, we cannot help. Yeah. but speak of the things which we've seen and we have heard. So good. My life was completely changed by the gospel. Yeah. Your life was completely changed by the gospel. Absolutely. There's absolutely no way yeah. that we could not share it. Yeah. And so I would challenge, I would urge, I would plead, I would yeah. beg anyone that's out there, share your faith today. Absolutely. Well, and I want to say this too, um, Someone recently told me this, and I cannot stop thinking about it. They said, Nick, if you ever want to know what God is like, but also what your life should look like, look to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. That's right. And when you think about it through that lens, it's like, oh my goodness, what should my life look like? What did Jesus' life look like? He was out on the streets That's right. sharing 
the good news of the gospel, sharing himself with others through love, through grace, through forgiveness, mercy, healing. And, you know, I think about um, so many people that are in these closed countries, you might not be able to share, so to say, right. the theology of your faith, but you could share a moment of prayer with someone. That's right. You could pray for someone and watch them be healed. And now they're inquiring you. And in some countries, you are allowed to do that. Oh, I can't share with you. But if you ask me, now yeah. I can. Now I can. Um, and, you know, I've got friends and nations that are missionaries. And they tell me that all the time. Nick, you know, when the moment they say, why are you so happy? What? Now I can introduce them to my friend Jesus. That's it. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you ever want to look like or wonder, what should my life look like? What should I be doing? How should I be carrying the gospel? How should I be carrying the cross in my life? Um, look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. If yeah. you ever want to know what your life needs to look like, read the gospels and see. Um, and I think you'll find a pretty amazing life ahead That's right. for you. So um, Russ, if you wouldn't mind, could you just pray for anybody watching today that, um, you know, that they would be inspired, that they'd be encouraged and that that fire that God put inside of you to share his love with the people around you, with the world, um, would really be ignited in them today? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll also start off by doing this right here. Maybe you're watching this today. Maybe you've stumbled across this broadcast. Maybe you have flipped something open and it's in the middle of the night and you're hearing about this, this Jesus and about this gospel. And maybe you, you've been in a season of hopelessness. Maybe mm -hmm. there's an emptiness that is in your heart. I would say to you today that the Bible says, for God so loved the world yeah. that he gave, he gave his son for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall never perish, but will live forever. The Bible says all of us have messed up. Hmm. All of us have, have sinned. All of us have fallen short. That's, that's no secret. We all know that. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. <laughs> and the wages of that is supposed to be separation from God. But here is the good part. It says God commands his love toward us. Yeah. In while we were yet in our sin, in our depravity, in our darkness, he still sent Jesus, even in the midst of it. And if we will confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Listen to me. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Mm. If you would like to accept Jesus today, I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to say, Father. Father. I ask you. I ask you. I thank you. I thank you for sending Jesus. For sending Jesus. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. And my Savior. Wash me clean. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That feeling you're feeling right now is the feeling that Scripture says becoming a new creation a new creation in him. You're brand new. Old things have passed away. The, 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 the chalkboard with all of your junk has been erased. Come on. It's really it's good so news. Awesome. It's the you and Gelion. <laughs> it's the good news. Yes. Now, there also may be some of you out there that are just needing some encouragement in your faith. And let me mm -hmm. tell you this. God is for you. Absolutely. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of my favorite verses in all of scripture is when Jesus says, I will not leave you. Mm. I will not forsake you. Mm. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, there was always 
a fourth man in the fire, (laughs) a fourth man in the fire. And I'm praying today that he will make himself evident. Father, I thank you for every believer that's watching this. I thank you right now for your healing power to go out, that you will heal minds, you will heal bodies, you will heal broken spirits today, God. And in Jesus' name, you will breathe on them. You will, you will comfort them right now. Yes. And that, Lord, you will empower them for a greater yes. day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen. Amen. Russell, I love what the scripture says. It says, anytime someone enters into the kingdom, there's a huge party going on. Come on. on. So I just want to say, welcome to the family. Yeah. We're so happy you're here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Russell, for being on the show today. We are so thankful. And thank you guys for tuning in again to Hope for Today. And um, you can find all the information about uh, Russell, his website, school of ministry, where to support him, all that kind of good stuff in the descriptions below. Um, and again, we just want to say thank you so much for being with us today. We love you, encourage you. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.